Welcome to episode 75 of Frank Reactions, the podcast where we help you profit from the digital era through better customer experiences online and off. My name is Tema Frank. It is great to be back here. As uh, regular listeners would know, I'm just back from a fairly lengthy gap due to conference season and then a month traveling in Europe. So given that my mind is still kind of in Europe, it seemed fitting to restart the podcast with an interview about a European company. Today's interview is with Eric Esquera, who is the Director of Customer Service and Operations in Canada of the high-end German appliance manufacturer Miele. They make uh, stoves and ovens and all kinds of other high-end kitchen appliances. Now, obviously, when you are selling premium products, as Miele does, the customer experience is especially important. And what's cool is that Miele has found some really unique ways to ensure that they deliver the -the over-the-top customer experience that they need to deliver consistently across the globe. I'm sure you will enjoy this interview, and I will chat with you briefly at the end of it. My name is Eric Esguera. I'm the Director of Customer Service and Operations for Miele Canada. I guess my role from a consumer experience standpoint is I look after everything pretty much post-sale. So it is definitely, in my view, a benefit uh, because we are we are basically at Miele, the manufacturer, straight to the end consumer. Okay, so let's just start by explaining what Miele is for people who aren't oh. familiar with that. Oh, perfect. Okay, so um, Miele is, till this day, the largest privately owned, family-based, premium German appliance brand company. Okay. We are uh, predominantly geared toward the end consumer for domestic kitchen appliances, but we also have uh, professional appliances for hospitals, dentists, doctors, um, chemists, um, and we have a, a wide range of additional professional appliances specific to those uh, industries. But for the most part, I would say a high 95% is geared towards uh, domestic kitchens, refrigerators, cooktops, hoods, ovens, coffee machines, and vacuums. And do you sell those direct to consumer or through retailers? Uh, we do have retailers. So we are, we are under the MCA uh, agency. So that's Mila Certified, char- sorry, Mila Chartered Agency, where we have Partners from a, from a retail sales perspective that actually sell on our behalf. We are consistent in price, right from Victoria to St. John's, Newfoundland. <laughs> uh, we control the price, and the systems that our retailers use is ours. So there's no dabbling. There's no discounting. We control the price and the promotions. We were established in 1899, so we're 117 years old. Our headquarters is in Gutersloh, Germany. And there is uh, 47 subsidiaries around the world. We have close to, I think it's right now, it's about 17,500 worldwide employees. And we are governed by our international model of Imabesser, which is forever better. And I think from a North American standpoint, it's considered a continuous improvement. We have thousands of employees who are con- consistently working on how we can better our products the reliability, the durability, and on my end, the how can we better our consumer experience when uh, things are not so perfect. And how long has Mila had a dedicated customer experience function in the organization? 
Um, good question. We've um, we've been in existence since ni- 1984 here in Canada, mm-hmm. but I mean, it has always been direct to consumer since uh, you know since each subsidiary is actually launched. For the most part, depending on which country. But if I can speak specifically for Canada. When we first launched, uh, we launched straight to the end consumer, and that was the path that we actually chose. Okay. Do you know how it would compare, say, to the way it's done in the U.S.? Um, slightly different. Um, you know, because of the, the just because of the sheer geographic size of both of our our countries, we are challenged by meeting consumer demands by ensuring Mila is out there, the faith of Mila is out there in every nook and cranny of Canada, which could be challenging. So we actually do partner up with some very premium third-party companies that initially must kind of feel the same need and same brand um, premiumness, if you will, that we share. Uh, but for the most part, we are through and through uh, every step of the way uh, partnered up with our consumers. Okay. And Mila, of course, is a very high-end brand. Correct, Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that customer experience then and where does that start to kick in? So somebody decides they want to buy a product. Where do you start to get involved in that process? So I would say right from the get-go, right from our Mila.ca website, because I think, I think Tama, what's happening right now is that consumers are getting smarter and they're doing their own self-shopping, so to speak. Yeah. They, they all, they, they are already educated on, um, you know, the bells and whistles, the benefits and features of these appliances, as well as price points. So they do their homework, and then they actually find, um, you know, a Mila chartered agency retailer who actually sells our product. And the difference is, is that where we get involved is the price, like I said earlier, will always remain the same and consistent. So part of our culture is we remain consistent and transparent across the nation. Um, there is no special pricing for anyone in particular. We treat all of our cons- consumers with the same dignity and respect. So there is no, you know, there's nothing cheaper in Alberta than there is in BC, Ontario, Quebec, for example. And, uh, yeah, the experience is consistent. What you see as a Mila store in store at a retailer is governed by us. We set it up. Uh, we dictate the price, and we we give you the consumer experience feel right from the retailer, and we get involved in that right away. So how do you train those retailers to deliver the type of experience you want, or is that part of the screening experience and deciding who you will let sell your products? Um, part of that is, you know, we want to ensure that we establish ourselves in the proper retail locations that are also offering high-end brands. Uh, of appliances, so that is definitely our niche. Um, but the training we take on personally as well. So whenever we set up a new retailer, uh, we provide the training from A to Z on specifically how to sell things, the benefits of them. We talk about the history of the company. It's not just so much about the benefit, it's about the culture and the family environment of what our company is all about. Um, and every year, I think from a sales perspective, we want to ensure that we are very intimate and very close and build stronger relationships with our retailers. And I think from a sales perspective, there are um, you know, special trips back to head office in Germany that allow them to really see what our products like, featured by factory tours, uh, head office tours, and get to you know, meet and greet the, the owners of the business, which typically is unheard of, but you know what? 
uh, we consider ourselves unique this way because they are our partners through and through, and we want to treat them like that. So do you find that during those meet-and-greet things, you're also learning stuff from them about what it's like for them selling at retail? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the key things is that because a strong partnership with our retail stores and our retail salespeople um, allows us really to hear from the from the salespeople themselves on what doesn't work and and what does work well. So, you know, the things that are definitely not broken, we want to be able to capitalize on and we want to move forward and, and make it bigger and better. But the areas of opportunity that lie out there, because we are the manufacturer, we have the ability to change it on the fly and really take take um, take great importance on what they have to say. They know the business in essence from a selling perspective better than we do. They tell us exactly what works and what doesn't work, and we are we are listening with both ears open to ensure that we provide a better consumer experience overall at point of retail. And there's been a lot of great feedback, and it's really give and take. Can you give me an example of something that surprised you that you learned from the retailers? Um, oh, um, one of, it, it's a small little thing, but a perfect example would be, um, you know, promotions. We typically, we, we initially ended them sometimes on a Sunday. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, the way because consumer behavior and be, consumer shopping is changing, I think one of the key things is that we want to elapse that, you know, a, a day or two later just because, uh, consumers like to sometimes come in right at the photo finish on a promotion because they are shopping around for the best uh, price and the best deal overall. So very small. Sorry? And that's something where, I mean, I've lived in Europe at times, and the the willingness to do commerce on Sundays is much more recent there than in North America. Oh, yeah, everything is, like, it's just shut down, right? Yeah, even Saturday yeah. afternoons it used to be. I don't know if it still is. <laughs> I think it still is because, you know, I... I arrived to Germany on a Sunday morning, yeah. and it's just, it's a little bit of a ghost town because, you know, they have a different shopping philosophy, which is fine, Yeah. but Sunday shopping doesn't exist unless, you know, unless you're like a corner burger joint or variety store. Right. But it typically doesn't exist, unlike North American culture where it's just another day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to have interrupted you on that one. No problem. So, so in essence, you're dealing with two levels of, of customers. So you've got the retailers who really, in some ways, are your customer. And then you've got the Absolutely. ultimate users. Absolutely. And part of, part of our training, sorry to just kind of do a complete, complete extreme, part of our training here in, the, in our contact center is we don't feed you to the wolves right away. We don't expect you to be the universal soldier right away. We actually slowly guide you into the business, understanding that, um, you may not be familiar with the industry of appliances, let alone high premium brand appliances like Mila. So initially what we do is we kind of train you up on easier type questions to get you the feel of the different questions that you may have. And that is particularly to the retailer side. So, you know, your first two to three weeks, if not a month, will be specifically around dealing with retailers. How much are products? What are delivery dates? What are the different costs of the, of the different services? the different accessories and add-ons and things like that. Not very, no, no real escalated issues, but a good feel about the company and just getting you speaking to uh, potential consumers. And then we move you on and kind of uh, allow you to grow within the organization and, and tack on add-on modules and training, um, uh, training material to allow you to get a greater scope of, of service calls and escalated issues and um, more of a technical uh, service person overall. 
So you invest quite a bit then in training your call center staff. How do your turnover rates compare with other organizations that are in comparable industries? Do you know? Well, we've got some we've got some good information about um, about the turnover for for the contact center industry overall, which which I heard last time was hovering around about six to seven percent. Um, I'm extremely extremely proud to say that we are less than 1% external turnover or attrition. Wow. Which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost incredible. The attrition that we've seen over the past two years has been zero. <laughs> well, tell the one thing is there's obviously forced attrition, which is definitely a benefit. But, but employees leaving our organization from a contact center perspective, leaving for another contact center, has been zero over the past two years. We've received over a dozen internal um, internal hires within the organization from the contact center, which is definitely where we want to be as an organization. I think my contact center team does a great job of allowing our employees a really good feel about the organization and really understanding what Miele is all about from different avenues and departments and angles, which then helps move and fill the gaps of growth within the overall business altogether, which definitely is a win-win for everyone. So some of them then end up moving out of calls or contact center and into other jobs within the organization? Oh, absolutely. So we backfilled, in essence, we backfilled in our accounting departments, in our inventory, in our HR positions, our installation groups, um, marketing, um, and the list goes on and on. So it's, it's definitely... Um, um, a potpourri of variety where these where these individuals can go, and it really is a good parallel um, when you accompany that with what they've actually taken in school, and it's a great uh, it's a it's a great mix into their next career or next chapter within the organization. Although they leave one department within Mila, they're still part of our extended family, which is definitely uh, something that we we take extremely we feel is extremely important, which is uh, the career development path of our employees. That's interesting. So other than the career development potential, are there other things that you think you do differently that keeps your contact center staff happy and sticking around longer than in other places? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think what happens, especially, Tema, in contact centers is, you know what, I, I myself was in the contact center many, many years ago. And from a customer service perspective, it gets a little bit tedious and monotonous at times to deal with customer service issues because they're challenging, right? I mean, you you have to stay positive. You have to come up with suitable and beneficial outcomes, and it becomes challenging. So probably the sweet spot of any type of customer service agent is two to three years, and if you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel or horizon, it can be very demoralizing. So we, we do it in two ways. Number one, we are very transparent and consistent about the opportunities that are within our uh, company themselves from a national scope, but also um, we have the opportunities and we actually post international jobs for our employees. So although you may have a skill set, but it doesn't actually, we don't have an opening for you in Canada, uh, your skills within the, in, ex, sorry, the international Mila family is uh, still embraced. And if you feel that you fit the criteria that could be, for example, a benefit in Mila, Switzerland, or Mila, Dubai, or Japan, that door is always open for you just the same because you're part of our extended family overall. Oh, that's kind of neat. And I could Very see that cool. really Very appealing cool. to young people, especially who aren't as 
committed to living in one particular place. Yeah, I mean, the world has become uh, a situation where it's, it's great for us, and we use that as a benefit because Mila is international. Mm-hmm. And we've had a couple, um, for example, I've had a technician last year who left. Um, there was personal issues where he had to move to Europe, and now he's a, he was a technician for me in Canada. Now he's a technician for me in Mila, Switzerland. <laughs> so, you know, it's definitely bittersweet, but at the end of the day, still part of the Mila family. Absolutely. And, um, and yeah, we, we applaud that. So let's move on to talking about some of the things that you at the conference where we met were talking about some pretty heroic approaches to delivering products. Can you talk a little bit about some of those examples and some of the things you do to really impress customers? Yeah, one of the, one of the things that we realized was when I was looking after the installations team, we realized that um, installing a kitchen is pretty important and it, it is completely 99.9% visual. And the other piece is, is that you really need to, at that point in time, you're really there to make the dreams of the homeowners and the consumers come alive. Because they've, they've purchased a Mila kitchen, they've spent hours upon hours and thousands of dollars on what their dream kitchen is all about. And now you are, you are held accountable with the added stress and pressure to make that dream come true. Which, which, which is incredible. So you have, you definitely have that opportunity. But one of the things that we realized was, was that unless the installer, who is a tradesman, uh, who has a, who is a gas fitter, who, you know, took the trade in, you know, in college and university, unless they were intimate with our product from a cooking perspective as well, really wasn't icing the cake on that consumer experience. Because customers would definitely, it would make sense that they haven't read the manual because they just received the product. But if they had initial questions about how things were used, what would be the best cooking mode, what would be the best temperature to cook on certain things, and if they didn't know, it would almost it would almost notch down the consumer experience a little bit. So what we decided to do was an add-on feature was put our installation team through cooking classes to really get intimate with our products, to really understand that, you know what, um, Butch, who was actually putting, uh, you know, installing the, the cooktop and the, and the ovens, was able to make a beef tenderloin and a red wine reduction, was able to understand what complements what and what is the best setting for the cappuccino and espresso makers. That's so and, cool. And the coffee machines. And it brought, it brought the level of consumer experience over the edge with customers with aha moments completely um, flabbergasted that, you know, a tradesman would know how to make a souffle. And it was just incredible. It's crazy. It was crazy. Wow. So these tradesmen, though, they're not, or are they employees of yours? They are employees of ours. They are employees of yours. Okay. Absolutely. So all the installers, all the installation is done by your employees. Um, I would say 70% of them. Obviously, you know, when you, when you have a cottage up in, like, Timmins, for example, right. uh, we would need some help from third party, but uh, for the most part, it's all Mila installers Okay. in the major cities, yeah. How did the tradespeople react to that notion of taking cooking classes? Well, they were initially shocked at first, but then, they, you know, they slowly, uh, well, they were initially shocked at first. What I mean slowly, and then it took about an hour, but they actually made fun with it because, you know what, who doesn't like to eat? Well, it was definitely uh, the fruits of their labor that um, that really won them over. Spouses were happy if they decided to try it at home, yeah. too. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? We, we really encourage, and our employee plans are, um, are are definitely great enough for employees to really um, be able to afford our appliances. 
So a lot of our employees actually have our appliances, so they're very accustomed to using it. So, you know, when you have a tradesperson, you're able to speak to them about how to, how to make these wonderful dishes. You know, our, our customers are absolutely, um, they're, they're so enthused, and it just brings the relationship that much closer to the end result. You know, the other piece is that we're here for the long run. Our appliances last. Um, laboratory tested for up to 20 years, and that's, you know, two decades for, for an appliance is a long time. Our promotions are, are equally as long, up to 10 years right now that we have a decade promo. So no other manufacturer in the appliance industry does that. What do you mean a, a promo in this context? Yes, yes, for 10 years. But what do you mean by that, a promotion? So if you buy it right, right now up until May 1st, if you, any new appliance that you purchase will come with a free 10-year warranty. Ah, okay, yeah. Zero cost to you at this time. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and it's just, it just goes to show that the reliability and durability of our product, uh, we stand with uh, 100%, and we, uh, we have no qualms about having it last way past that time frame. Yeah, so you're paying a lot more up front, but the goal is then to hang on to it longer. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you, you, when you buy, when you buy, when you spend $275,000 for a Rolls Royce, <laughs> I'm pretty confident that you're not in the garage the next month or the next year or even the next five years. Yeah. It's built fast. It's handcrafted with extreme high-end engineering, and it's definitely built to last. Uh, another a small piece that we've actually added on from a consumer experience standpoint is in a contact center alone, we've taken it upon ourselves to really um, build a stronger relationships with our customer service employees uh, to the rest of the business. So not only do you understand what customer service is and the A to Z of it internally and theoretically, we actually send you out on the road with um, with delivery staff, with our with our installation team, with our technical support team and technicians to really good at, to really get a 360 of what our experience is all about. And it started with me when I started because I didn't really just want to read about what our experiences are about. I wanted to feel it and I wanted to hear it straight from consumers. And because it was that much of a benefit for me, we instilled it within our own organization to ensure that. If, our, if we are truly a manufacturer to our end consumer, our own staff really needs to understand what our business is all about, not through black and white emails and not through training programs, but by real-life expectations and experiences, being out on the field and really absorbing and understanding what the Mila culture is from A to Z. And i got to tell you, they absolutely love it and they crave it. So who goes on that? Who, go, who takes part in that? Every single one, every single employee in our contact center. Okay. Um, it's really building the relationships and really understanding what other departments do and not just having to read about it, what they do. Um, it builds stronger relationships. It puts faces to names. And you get a chance to speak to customers, and they'll tell you exactly how they're feeling and mm-hmm. what they like and what they don't like. And you know what? Consumers are sometimes brutally honest. <laughs> and that's what I crave. Like, I know we do a lot of great things, and without sounding boastful, I'm glad to hear that. But I want to hear about the pain points because I can't fix things that I don't know about. And I want to know how we can better our business because, again, if I don't hear about them, I can't fix them. So do you have any mechanism then routinely for following up on satisfaction after a product has been delivered? Yes, we have multiple surveys that actually go out to consumers. The bittersweet angle of it is sometimes uh, some consumers feel that they are a little bit lengthy, but (laughs) 
Uh, we want to ensure that we're extremely thorough and we capture every part of that experience um, with the ability to be able to fix things if things are broken. So every single touch point within the consumer experience, a survey is actually given out because not all customers have a delivery and installation and a technical issue. Mm-hmm. But we will send you out a survey, and part of the survey is um, a good portion is how the experience went uh, with a follow-up NPS question of typically would you, would you recommend meal it to a, a friend or family member. Right. And we look at that on a daily basis. It is, it is a, a key indicator for us and a good, um, a good mechanism to understand how we are doing, areas of opportunity, and uh, any red flags that potentially could be out on the field. I mean, the other scope is, is that it's national, right? So it's not just, um, you know, an issue for a particular region. It allows us to determine if it's a national problem, uh, a provincial problem, or just, you know, a township or a small city. Mm-hmm. Uh, break it down to exactly who it is, uh, what it is, and how do we quickly fix it, and we are on them daily. Wow, okay. And what sort of response rates do you get? Um, to be honest with you, I don't have a particular number, but it's probably uh, 10 to 12% of all services are, are uh, responded, are, are heard from, and every single, here's a, here's a stat, every single survey that a consumer fills out with a comment or an inquiry or a question we fulfill 100% of the time within 24 hours. Wow. So how do you do that? How do you organize things to do that? We have dedicated staff that are, that are particularly dedicated to responding to consumer surveys. And Tamara, the reason behind it was we respect the fact that a customer takes their time out to make themselves heard, answer the questions that we have, and fill out a comment box, and we... We treat that uh, with the utmost respect. If you take the time out of your day to respond to our questions and have questions or inquiries for us about our product, um, we will designate time to respond to you in a very timely fashion with follow-up. And I think it just goes give and take. Yeah. And it's something that we hold extremely true. Because if you, you know, if you respond to something on January the 1st and we respond back to you like end of March, probably not something, it would probably be a customer dissatisfaction. So not only do we respond back to you 100% of the time, we do it within 24 hours because we want to make it timely also. That's great. That is really great. How do you deal with, I mean, it, the manufacturing presumably does not take place here, or does it? No, everything's in Germany. That's what I figured. Okay. So what is the nature of the relationship? Let's say there is a problem that relates to the actual product itself, something to do with manufacturing where... The, your operation doesn't have control. What are the mechanisms for dealing with the rest of the organization globally to make sure that the problem is dealt with? Good question. Um, because there's 47 subsidiaries, we actually break them down into various regions. Okay. So the region of the North American region, we actually have a, um, a dedicated leader that helps support our causes and concerns. But for the most part, every single subsidiary has direct access to head office and on those particular moments when there is escalated issues about a particular product, we are able to go directly to the factory and have discussions with them one-on-one. That actually disallows other people to get involved, so there is no more red tape. There is no additional approval processes. We, we discuss the issues internally, mm-hmm. and we bring it forward straight to the factories to advise what's happening. And from a communication standpoint, from that subsidiary straight to the factory, 
we, we in essence hear it right from the horse's mouth because we want to ensure that we, we jump on these issues as quickly as possible and we come up with solutions uh, real time. Okay, that's good. So I, I, we're running out of time. I just want to attend. You gave an example or two during your presentation of some pretty crazy places you had delivered to. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, so uh, in essence, we understand that we were a premium brand, and consumers' homes, cottages, second homes, and vacation villas, villas could really be anywhere. So we've come to realize that uh, if you own a, a household and you want Mila there, we're going to support you 100% and, and help you get things there. So we've had in different instances where we've actually had to rent cranes to get uh, a Mila kitchen or a particular large product up on the third and fourth uh, level of a villa. We've actually uh, utilized helicopters to help deliver uh, laundry and dishwashers to um, mountainside villas because they were there. Um, we have quite a number of uh, consumers who actually live on islands, and I think it's becoming a larger trend where they actually have boats because they have to transport their own furniture. And listen, if you can supply the transportation, we're going to work with you to, to, to make your dreams come true. <laughs> so by plane, trains, automobiles, and cranes, and helicopters, we'll, uh, we'll get it done. That's pretty cool. Is there anything, Eric, that you wish I had asked you and I haven't? Um, if somebody ever asked me, you know, what is the best success of your company, and I would say it's, it's everything. I mean, not one facet or one department is better than the other. It is a collaboration of departmental successes that work in unison that help benefit our company start to finish. It's very tricky and challenging to be the a manufacturer going straight to the consumer, to the end consumer. But, um, you know, our MCA model, our direct-to-the-consumer, our ability to manage every department by the manufacturer themselves has proven to be the greatest uh, business method. Uh, it has, you know, there's a lot of overhead involved, but I mean it's profitable because things are actually charged, but for the most part, when you ask us, do we understand our consumer experience? Absolutely, because we're responsible for it. Uh, the grave. Eric, what's the hardest part of your job? Ooh. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, two part right now. Number one, I would say... Um, so, actually, the, very, the, the biggest one I would say is keeping up with the consumer's expectations. Okay. We are all consumers in our own right, and I've, and I've come to realize that the expectations of consumers are, are changing and they're growing. Yeah. One of the challenges is that is it just training that, that will help, you know, combat it? Is it the right type of training? Is it really understanding what the consumer experiences are? We've come into a world where consumers are a lot more vocal, and the challenge is, is that they become more vocal, and in parallel, they have more paths to be vocal upon through social media, through Twitter, through Facebook, through email, through telephone, through wave files. I mean, <laughs> through chat. I mean, it's like it, to stay ahead of the curve time is becoming a challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for your time, Eric. I, I really appreciate this, and it's fascinating to hear how your company's doing it. So thank you. Even the high-end companies struggle to meet rising customer demands. So it's no wonder that just about every business these days is struggling with that very issue. 
While some of the things that Mila does are undoubtedly too expensive for many companies, a lot of the principles and ideas that Eric discussed are really worth a close look for any business. I'd say things like truly partnering with your distributors. I wrote about this in chapter 12 of my new book, People Shock, which is finally available on Amazon in both the United States and Canada. It may still be showing as um, pre-order, but they are the books should now be at Amazon, so they should be shipping them out very, very soon. So uh, go ahead, place your order. It's not too early. And if you do read the book, I would be super thrilled to get your feedback on it. So far, those who've read it have been pretty positive, and not all of them are my friends and family. Anyway, other ideas that came from Eric and the things that he talked about that I think should be considered by other companies are giving customer service reps exposure to how the whole company works and to what customers and staff experience in the field. That's going to help give them more empathy for customers as well as for your staff. Likewise, I do think it's important, although we didn't discuss it in this interview, to make sure that staff from all levels and parts of your organization spend some time on the front lines doing customer service, because that's also crucial for them to understand what your customer service people are up against. Another thing that came out was the importance of investing in high quality ongoing training, and even in things that might not be obvious, like the cooking classes for installers. That was kind of a neat one because it not only offers a benefit to the customer because the installers are in a better position to advise them, but it's also kind of an employee perk. It's kind of a fun thing to do and relates to what they're what they're doing and gives them perhaps more pride in the quality of what they're building or installing. That's all I've got for this week. If you are in the Edmonton area, I will be teaching my full-day digital marketing class at McCune University next Tuesday. That's July 28th, 2016. If you're interested, it is not too late to register. Just go quickly to mccune.ca, that's M-A-C-E-W-A-N dot C-A, and search for digital marketing. Whether or not you can make it to that, do tune in again next week for another episode of Frank Reactions. And in the meantime, hop on over to the website, frankreactions.com, to learn more about customer experience in the digital era. And please let me know what you think of the show. If you'd be willing to share that publicly with a review on iTunes, that would really help other people discover the show. But even if you just want to chat privately, you can always reach me at Tema, T-E-M as in marketing, A, at frankreactions.com, or on Twitter, simply at Tema Frank, on LinkedIn, or on the Frank Reactions page on Facebook. I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Bye. Bye.